Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. The book of Exodus, known as Shemot, will be ending next week. It has 40 chapters. 15 of the 40 deal with the sanctuary idea known as the Mishkan. You know, we obviously talk a great deal about the Exodus from Egypt in this book, Yitziat Mitzrayim, hence the name Exodus, and the most widely observed Jewish festival of all, even more than Hanukkah, Passover, April 15th this year. We talk about the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, also in this book. But arguably the most important thing that happens in this book, and perhaps in the entire Torah, is the building of this tabernacle, Mishkan sanctuary, this dwelling place to feel God's presence. Sanctuaries like this space that we're in or any synagogue, all based on that large tent our ancestors carried with them through the wilderness containing the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the tablets of the Ten Commandments, the place where our ancestors could direct their attention to feeling God's presence in their midst. It's the building of this tabernacle that started four weeks ago in Torah time through next week that is arguably the most important thing that happens in Exodus, and it's even more than just the book of Exodus. The Torah devotes more of its words to the tabernacle by far than anything else. The German Jewish theologian Franz Rosenzweig, who lived 1886 to 1929 and ranks as one of the most original Jewish thinkers of all time, said that the building of this mishkan, Tabernacle, sanctuary, was in fact the high point of the entire Torah. Why? Because God created humans, so we return the favor and create a symbolic little dwelling place for God to concretize our spiritual relationship. But the building of the Mishkan wasn't only a favor to God. The rabbinic commentators say, our ancestors also needed to engage in building a reminder of God's presence for themselves. Our people had just come out of a very intense period in their relationship with God, right? Feeling God's presence during the Exodus. God heard our cries, heard our, we're going to say it around the Passover table, parted the sea. Then you get the intensity of Mount Sinai. Can you imagine? It was so intense. Intense. 
Our ancestors asked Moses not to put them through that again. And then there was silence, aloneness, like what our sister congregations and the people hunkering down in Ukraine are probably feeling in bomb shelters tonight. There are families and individuals and children in preschools, just like ours here at Temple, in the heart of Kiev, at our sister synagogue, named, believe it or not, it's named Congregation Hatikva, means the hope. Our temple, a longtime leading congregation supporting the World Union for Progressive, meaning Reform Judaism, I spoke with my friend who leads the World Union as its president yesterday, Rabbi Sergio Bergman, about the anguish and agony of the rabbis and lay leaders in during the evil and insanity, unthinkable, brutal invasion of their nation. On this Shabbat in Ukraine, just as our ancestors after the exodus from Egypt and the Torah, our, our people back then may have thought that the link between God and them, between God and humanity, had been broken after all the good times. The building of the sanctuary restores that connection, whereas another amazing Jew from Portugal who lived during the Spanish Inquisition, he was known by kings as a statesman, philosopher, Bible commentator, financier. You'll hear rabbis quote Yitzchak ben Yehuda Abarbanel, but the historian, the historian student, I don't claim to be a historian, but the student of history in me is amazed by this guy who lived from 1437 to 1508. He had to flee Spain. He had to leave Spain around the time of the Inquisition. He ends up in Venice where he dies. After experiencing the madness of the Inquisition, he said about this tabernacle, this mishkan, about our Torah portion, remarkably, Remember his life story. God's intention behind the construction of the sanctuary, of the tabernacle, was to fight the idea, no matter what's going on around you, to fight the idea that God has abandoned this world. Can you imagine, after living through what probably seemed like the end of the world with the Inquisition in Spain, while the world is in chaos, the audacity of suggesting that the Jewish people created a house for God, the origin of this temple and every synagogue, as a bold statement that no matter what we choose to do with our lives here on earth as a society, God has not abandoned us if we don't abandon God. All synagogues are based on this mishkan. They're reminders that God is not only in heaven, God is as close as the air we breathe in our encounters and acceptance of other godly people, which means all people. And when we come to an actual place like this temple that we create, not God, we create to remind us of God's presence and what that means for how we live our days during our short time here on this earth. As Ukrainians continue to die defending their country 
from Russian aggression. The world must remind them of this idea that they are not forgotten, they are not abandoned. I know Americans, Israelis, people in Western countries, we're all understandably worried about the hit on our pocketbooks, our pensions, our petroleum bills. But this sanctuary, our synagogue, the one in Kiev, Judaism itself, are all reminders that the purpose of life, as Leo Rostin put it, is not to be happy or successful. The purpose of life is to matter, to have it make some difference that you lived by being useful, honorable, compassionate, what we call living in the image of God. Strangely, in the middle of this intense description and somewhat boring details of the original tabernacle, a commandment suddenly comes out of nowhere. And it's a commandment you all know because you're doing it right now. The keeping of Shabbat. Actually, the Torah says, let me quote, on six days work is permitted, but the seventh day starting Friday night shall be to you a, listen to the words, Shabbat Shabbaton, a Shabbat Shabbat, a Shabbat of total rest. Seems like the Torah is repeating itself by saying Shabbat twice. But when you think about it, the rabbis say, there are two aspects of rest on a heavy Shabbat like this or a light Shabbat. First is physical rest, resting our bodies from labor and effort after a long, hard week, getting some sleep. But the second, equally important, and that's why there are two Shabbats mentioned this week, is spiritual rest, what we call peace of mind. Rest from worrying about answering your phone, the next text. Resting from making a living or whatever else gives you worries. Resting mind, heart, and soul complements the first Shabbat rest for our physical bodies. Yes, the body needs sleep, even if it's hard to sleep sometimes. But the command inside the building of the sanctuary this week reminds us that the physical is never enough. The mental, emotional, and spiritual are equally important and part of who we are, and so we must find ways in our own sanctuaries to renew the mental, emotional, spiritual, what Happy sang about, our internal sanctuaries of the heart. As we emerge from COVID and strive to rebuild ourselves individually, rebuild our synagogue communally, rebuild the world collectively, a world in need of major tikkun repair. I want to close with a true story. Many years ago, Boris Yeltsin was asked, what gave you courage to stand firm and help ensure the fall of communism? He said, it was the story of courage of Lech Walesa, the stubborn, committed electrician who helped bring democracy to Poland. When asked what influenced him, Lech Walesa stated that he was inspired by reading accounts of the civil rights movement in the United States. 
led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., when asked, what spurred you to action? He said that it was when he learned of the courage of a woman named Rosa Parks, who simply refused to move to the back of the bus. It boggles the mind to imagine, doesn't it? That the act of one woman in Montgomery, Alabama, set in motion a chain of influence that finally led to the fall of communism. But that's the way life is, my friends. You never know the impact of a simple act of courage, integrity, or faith. We've all studied the evil of madmen and dictators, but I think few of us thought 48 hours ago that Putin would actually invade and carry out the horror he has wrought. Nonetheless, history has shown that it's the simple acts of courage, whether that lone peaceful protester standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square, or the simple acts of courage, integrity, and faith of a Jewish president, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, and his people, their simple acts of courage in the face of evil. History will remember that. May the roots of the Mishkan, the sanctuary, the shelter, the shoulders on which we stand continue to give us the moral clarity our heritage, history, and faith provide, including God's words to no less than King David in 1 Chronicles 22.8. The word of the Lord came to, reported by David, saying, you, David, have shed blood too much. You've made war. Therefore, you, David, shall not build a temple to my name, says God, because you have shed too much blood upon the earth in my sight. War is a poor chisel to carve out tomorrow's, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. But this week's Mishkan, the call for Sabbath peace, the call for Shabbat Shalom is the answer. And this place is a reminder that we are not abandoning God because God has not abandoned us. The only question is whether others will abandon God's quest for a life and world of Shalom. This Mishkan this synagogue, every synagogue is a resounding no to that question. Never will we abandon the principles of a just, peaceful tomorrow, even in the face of evil. Just peace. Amen.